Dear friend, I like to start my notes to you as if we're already in the middle of a conversation. I pretend that we're the oldest and dearest friends as opposed to what we actually are. People who don't know each other's names. Morning, Mr. Fox. And met in a chat room where we both claimed we'd never been before. What will NY152 say today, I wonder? I turn on my computer. I wait impatiently as it connects. I go online and my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got mail. I hear nothing, not even a sound on the streets of New York, just the beat of my own heart. I have mail from you. Welcome. You've got a podcast, and it's The Boot. <laughs> Is this directed towards me? Yeah, it's The Boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. We're so nice, We're Brian. So We're nice. too nice. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're oh. welcome. <laughs> you're so welcome. I'm Brian Flynn, and in the chat room with me today, with the handle KT152, it's Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? 152. What did they say? 152 scars? Insights into my soul. Oh. Guys, this week we're talking about You've Got Mail, the 1998 rom-com starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Um, I have nothing else to say about this movie other than it's kind of a trip into pre-internet. Yeah. Pre-internet romance. Yeah. When it starts and they do the dial-up tone, I was like, wow. Yeah. On an when old, was the last time I heard this? On an old Mac iOS, and then it 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 zooms in. For those of you younger than for all the twenty five babies listening to this podcast, a lot of movies in the late nineties, early two thousands envisioned the internet as a <laughs> real world and would zoom mm. through three dimensional space as if it was reality. I don't know. It was a weird time. They thought we'd be further along. I think by this point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's only a few years to hover cars, guys. <laughs> but before Ken and I go into our recasting of the movie with our top five picks, we have some reboot news. A lot of reboot news has been hitting the internet, and Ken and I can't keep up. It is a deluge of reboots and remakes and sequels and prequels. And I may or may not have had a mental breakdown earlier this week. I know. About all... I think I scared Brian a little bit. I thought you we ended our friendship after... <laughs> Friday night where you just all caps texted me, stop. And I wanted to be like, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's the studio heads who are producing like 80% yeah. of their IP is like remakes. It's insane. I mean, what would you say? Maybe like 20, 25 new stories, maybe, since we have last recorded this podcast right. have popped up. Just remember, get out one best original screenplay. We all should be seeing movies that are original stories. Yeah. But this podcast isn't for that. This podcast is for potential remakes. We very specifically are like, let's make reboots. <laughs> <laughs> Just like L.A. Confidential, Sense8 star Brian J. Smith takes lead role in L.A. Confidential pilot at CBS. L.A. Confidential is billed as a modern take on James Elroy's novel, which was the basis of the 1997 feature film. In the paths of three homicide detectives, a female reporter and an up-and-coming actress intersect while the detectives pursue a sadistic serial killer among the secrets and lies of gritty, glamorous 1950s Los Angeles. Jordan Harper is writing the series as executive producer alongside Aaron Milchan. New Regency, Lionsgate Television, and CBS Television Studios are producing. Wow, I feel like I just survived 
You still a murder scene. I I'm a little shocked that I've never seen L.A. Confidential because it seems like it's right up my alley. Anything with sadistic serial killer in the it, in the description. Mm, yeah, it's not like horror. It's more like it's noir. You know what I mean? It's, so it's not horror-ish. It's more crime noir thriller. It is one of my favorite movies. I won't say top five, but definitely top ten. I mean, it. if it wasn't for a little movie called Titanic, it probably would have won Best Picture. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I need to see this movie. I also I am not caught up in the sensation that is Sense8. People seem to love that, so I don't know who this guy is. Who's I don't know who this guy is. But um, another casting news is Walter Goggins is playing the Walton Goggins. Did I say Walter? You have done this in our text chain as well. Walton Goggins (laughs) is playing Jack Vincennes, who was previously played by uh, Kevin Spacey, who is now Person on Grata around here. Hi, Kevin. But I, I would say I think that's a great choice. I wonder how they're going to sort of remake because this is is billed as a modern take. I thought I read somewhere that it was still in the 1950s. But if it is a modern take, I wonder how they're going to portray the seedy underbelly of Hollywood. I think that would be really interesting to see in sort of a modern Yeah, it's definitely different. We've also got, we sort of cherry-picked some stuff. We've also got the Highlander reboot that is now moving after colony writer Ryan Condal has handed in a script. This is from... Deadline. It's been a long time in the works, but the reboot of classic warrior franchise Highlander is moving forward. Um, They hear that colony writer Ryan Connell has delivered a script to Lionsgate and pre-production is set to start later this year. The studio has been handed a script for the project, which has been in development for nearly 10 years after they acquired the rights in 2008. I think they made three movies, a TV show, a cartoon. Did they make a cartoon? Oh, they made a cartoon. There are at least four Highlander movies. Really? I want to say the fourth might have been the last one. I know there was a TV show that went maybe two seasons. That is phenomenal. Oh, no, there's probably like seven seasons <laughs> of Highlander. I feel like you're not taking this very seriously. I am. I, I have a very close friend who will listen to this podcast and be screaming at me that I don't know how many seasons of the TV show. Okay, I feel really strongly about the fact that they're remaking Highlander because, honestly, I think this is this is a missed opportunity for me. I have such a hot take on a female-centric version of Highlander that I just desperately want to write. And honestly, like, nothing is going to be better in my head than what I have come up with Ooh. in my own Ooh. head. Are you talking about a story or, like, an actress? A story. I mean, oh. obviously, Saoirse Ronan would play the title character. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's the Highlander. Okay. Trust me, world, if you want to know more. <laughs> I was thinking somebody, like... Somebody hire me to do this. Aaron or... No, 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 no. We need, a, we need a young woman. Okay. I mean, obviously, she would have an older mentor. Sure. Which... Much, which... much like Christopher Lambert did in the original Highlander. Which Scottish actor would you cast to play a Spanish person? <laughs> Sean Connery. Wait, wait, wait. Sean Connery is like, the mentor. He's like Egyptian by way of, of Spain. Spain. But he With a is de- Scottish. Thick Scottish <laughs> brogue. I'm gonna see the shit out of this. Yeah, I I out. I love this series. I love this movie. I love the show. I love It's Queen. striking that you were a big I'm actually kind of shocked that you're a big Highlander. <laughs> is there a term for Highlander fan? I, Highlander Highlander existed before they started making cute names okay. for it's beyond that. It is. It's bigger than that. <laughs> right. It's better than that. I mean, it's probably. Who's your favorite Highlander? Connor. It's probably only second. Quentin. To my love for Stargate. I'm trying to remember all of the Highlanders. Connor. Quentin. Well, 
if I could have anybody just like narrate the story of my life, I would want Christopher Lambert's sultry, scratchy voice to do that. I'm Conor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Loch Shiel. Now I am immortal. Finally, Disney debuts first look at the Mary Poppins return during the Oscars. In the clip, a storm blows through the streets catching a kite and sucking it up in the skies. Lin-Manuel Miranda's Jack, a lamplighter, struggles to pull the kite down, only to realize that Mary Poppins herself is attached to the other end. Emily Blunt's Poppins later looks herself in the mirror and admits it's lovely to see herself again with a sly smile. The film will feature grown-up versions of Jane and Michael Banks, played by Emily Mortimer, and Ben Withshaw. Withshaw? Respectively. Bert, the chimney sweep fans needn't worry. However, as Dick Van Dyke will also return to the film, reprising the role of Mr. Dawes Jr., one of the board members of the bank where Mr. Banks works. Van Dyke portrayed Dawes Jr. in the original movie thanks to heavy makeup and a wispy fake white beard and white hair. I feel like I just described the trailer for some reason. You guys could have easily just gone to YouTube to watch it. Yeah, this trailer no, don't, looks scary as fuck, by Don't the way. watch it. Just, just it listen to looks, Brian explain it. It looks horrifying. Here's the thing I think people forget is that there are parts of Mary Poppins that scared me a lot as a child. When they go to the bank uh-huh. and all of the old men are like singing, that's frightening. In the doors, tones, mouse leg grubs, fidelity, fiduciary bank. There is something sinister about it. I have no memory of Mary Poppins, but she always kind of did have a creepy sense to her. Like, is she magical? Is she a... Is she an angel? Is yeah, she a wizard? She is like, she a dark <laughs> demon? If Mary Poppins returns is about how Mary Poppins is a demon, mm-hmm. I'm into that. I think, what if it's she's the Krampus? <laughs> Off-season Krampus. <laughs> oh, wow. Off-season Krampus. But what do you think but, Disney's going for with this trailer? This trailer looks, do you think they're trying to lean into that? kind of scariness a little bit for kids like i think they're leaning into the fact that she's magical there's just something sort of off-putting about the mary poppins story though like it is not all sunshine and roses sometimes it is but i just remember the song about like a spoonful of medicine that's just like yo these kids don't want to drink whatever drugs you're giving them like stop pushing lady a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down yeah stop pushing man but the medicine tastes There's an good. opioid epidemic. Like, we don't need this lady coming back. <laughs> we don't need this lady coming back. But Jane and Michael need her help. They're yeah, to children. dope up their kids. I won't stand for it. But Lin-Manuel Miranda is in oh, it. Oh, okay. He gets a pass because of Moana. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he's known for. The only thing he's known Moana. for. Uh, all right. Anything else on any of this stuff? Nope, I think we covered everything. I think we covered everything. I think I'm going to watch all three of these projects. Yeah, I mean, first I have to watch LA Confidential to know what I'm doing. I'm really bummed that we can't do it on the show now. Yeah, there's so many things that we're like crossing off. Reboot News makes me sad now. You know. All right, well, (laughs) let's get into our own reboot of a magical time known as the 90s. A time where people read books. (gasps) And they walked the streets and they talked to their neighbors and they didn't have cell phones. (gasps) They used fax machines. No way. And they would say things like, are you online? (laughs) Kenna, are you online? Little did they know. Can I email you? Little did they know that online would become real life. It would become all of our lives. I do think the funny thing is how 
this is another staple of like a late 90s movie <laughs> that is internet centric is that she has a conversation with her coworker about cyber sex, which always comes up in these movies where they're like, have you guys done it? Oh, like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> And they talk about the it's technology weird. back then yeah. really didn't allow it. It's weird. Really didn't allow it for I it. I mean, it was like pre-sexting sexting. Right. That's what they're doing. Okay, if you're new to the pod, which I don't understand why you would be new to the pod. We have so many brilliant pods before this. Listen to them all. But if you are new to this, welcome. Ken and I are going to pick our top five main characters from You've Got Mail. We're going to recast them with actors from today. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go back and forth and take turns. But before we do that... We have rules. Before we do that, we just got to let you know that this is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb and an open heart. But we're going to be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you have not seen this movie, it might be worth your time to press pause, go watch it, but don't forget to come back. Don't forget. That's very key. Don't just pause... This isn't just like a movie recommendation podcast. You got to come back to yeah, hear what we have to, to say about it. Because we're going to talk about it. We're going to dissect this movie a little bit. Yeah, because uh, it's so deep. But we also have some rules because they make the internet safer. I don't know what I'm saying. So our first rule is no remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. So we will not do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20-ish years. And that includes franchises like Star Wars or like, I don't know, Batman that just continues to have sequels uh, that we just can't seem to avoid. We won't do movies like that. And I'd say that so definitively, like we have not already broken that rule. Number two is no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are A, alive, and B, working today. So we can't, we can't cast, I'm trying to think of a dead actor. Can't cast, you know what, just dead people aside, people who haven't like really worked in a while. I don't want them on here anyways. Oh, wow. I don't want them on here. What if it's someone who just like really needs to come back? What if we found the perfect role for Amanda Bynes? Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But I got to see her first. I got to see her in someone else. Okay. And number three is no Tinder casting. So we're not just looking at the way people look. You have to have seen somebody's work. You have to be able to vouch for their talent. You can't just be like, oh, he sort of looks like Tom Hanks, so I'm going to cast him in the same role as Tom Hanks, which nobody looks like Tom Hanks. Did nobody you, is Did Tom you Hanks. cast Colin Hanks? <laughs> that is genius, and I wish that I had. Because I didn't, no. but I, yeah. So, sorry, Colin. I love you if you're listening. Please listen. But if you are listening, I I'm going to cast in something else. I would just love not it here. if Colin Hanks listened to this podcast. It would be great. It would be like, you know, your dad listening to this podcast. Okay, guys, we're going to get into the recasting of You've Got Mail. You were spying on me, weren't you? You probably rented those children. Why would I spy on you? Because I am your competition, which you know perfectly well, or you would not have put up that sign just around the corner. Look, the reason I came into your store is because I was spending the day with Annabelle and Matt, and I was buying them presents. I'm the type of guy who likes to buy his way into the hearts of children who are his relatives. There's only one place to find a children's book in the neighborhood. I... That will not always be the case. And it was yours. And it is a, a charming little bookstore. You probably sell, what, $350,000 worth of books in a year? How did you know that? I'm in the book business. I am in the book business. I see. And we are the price club. Only instead of a 10-gallon vat of olive oil for $3.99 that won't even fit under your kitchen cabinet, we sell cheap books. Me, a spy. Oh, absolutely. I have in my possession... 
The super-duper secret printout at the sales figures of a bookstore, so inconsequential yet full of its own virtue that I was immediately compelled to rush over there for fear that it's going to put me out of business. You've Got Mail was directed by Nora Ephron, sort of the patron saint of rom-coms, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know uh, what's really interesting, speaking of Nora Ephron, yeah. is that, I don't know if you paid attention during the credits, aka Let Them Roll as I sat there doing something entirely different and just forgot to turn the movie off. But her assistant on this movie mm-hmm. is I know what you're gonna say. Alfonso Gomez Rejon. Oh, no. I didn't know that. But there's, there's another yes, producer's there's, assistant yes. by the name Kevin Feige, who yes. is now the overlord of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. So sinister. He is the watcher. He is the all-knowing. Um, wow. But this, Kevin I think, it was Feige also his Brian's first movie. God. Yeah, it was like his first movie or his first job in Hollywood. Yeah, he was the producer's assistant. I just Laura found that really Shuladonis. fascinating yeah. to have like two yeah. two people who have careers now, huge, big careers mm-hmm. for Kevin. You know, Kevin Feige might be like one of the wealthiest people in the industry. You know, it just goes to show you you never know what's going to happen, guys. So keep at it. Again, Ken and I are <laughs> industry. <laughs> People. This is a partially just a pep talk for us. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, don't give up. Yeah, so this movie stars the immortal Tom Hanks, the somewhat disappeared Meg Ryan. But yeah. these two have, this is their third movie together, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy, which was really hard to cast. I mean, their chemistry is undeniable. And I, I, I had a, kind of a hard time. You mentioned last week that you had a tough time recasting Kurt Russell. I had the worst time recasting Tom Hanks. You your your responses about this movie seemed so like you weren't even joking. You were just like frustrated at the fact that you had to recast it's Tom Hanks. It's hard. It's really hard. I don't um, know. I feel like once I found a leading man, everything else sort of fell into place. Mm-hmm. But Tom Hanks singularly, yeah, is kind of a he's an an American treasure. He's one of the best dramatic actors, but he's so warm and likable and charming that it's hard to find that kind of person again that's so prolific in his work. He's like America's dad. So mm-hmm. casting someone else is like casting your stepdad. It's like it just feels wrong <laughs> and weird. Um, <laughs> but this movie, uh. it's also hard because this movie has been spoofed very well by the David Wayne, Michael Showalter, they came together. Mm-hmm. And it's also a remake of Little Shop, uh, shop around the a shop, shop around, around the, the corner, corner, yeah. Which is also a remake of another movie, and then there's like a musical that's adapted from that, and and so this this movie is like a simulacrum of a story that has been told over and over again. It's like a classic two people who end up hating each other and then falling in love. Like basically, any Jane Austen book is this movie. But it's it's almost simpler than like a Jane Austen book. Like it sounds like a play. Like two people right. who just like never look each other's way somehow are like interacting in, in another format. Like that whole opening scene where they're walking around New York just missing each other. Right. And that opening kind of shot. Insane. There's something in that opening shot I want to mention. Okay. Meg Ryan steps out of her house and she's walking down the street and in the distance you see Tom Hanks kind of behind her and you uh-huh. know, you're connecting like, oh, these two people need to meet. This mm. is the whole point that of this movie. That or it's like it follows. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> that would have been great. You've got it follows. Because that, <laughs> that's how it follows in. Yeah, right. Is that you like assume that the person behind them is, is it. The, it follows. Um, but there's a there's all these shots of like the shops opening. Uh-huh. Like the New York City shop crates are like 
yeah. the clacking up and like everyone's unlocking doors and going to work and it's hustling and it's bustling. Mm-hmm. And there's a shop that says 24 hour key service. Okay. That was locked and is now open. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't. Open I, all night. I immediately was like pulled out. It wasn't like the, the proto internet that everyone kept talking about or like the fact that Borders <laughs> Books was like the new hot thing to do. But it was just like, why is the 24-hour key place closed? They asked a lot of the audience they in really this movie. Did. They wanted us, for instance, when Fox, when the Fox books that is threatening Meg Ryan's shop opens, there is a line. There's yeah. a line <laughs> right. waiting of people to get into the bookstore. And I was like, is Fox Books the most popular bookstore in New York? Maybe. So we're going to cast Joe Fox, played by Tom Hanks, Kathleen Kelly, played by Meg Ryan, Frank Novasky, played by Greg Kinnear. Patricia Eden, played by Parker Posey, and Bernie Codrad, played by Gene Stapleton from All in the Family fame. Now, who would like to go first? I I think I would like to go first. Do it. For my joke. Because I, I, again, like I said, once I found a strong male lead, I felt really good yeah. about the whole thing. Great. And it took me a while because there's literally only one name written down because I Ooh. searched forever. And then when I found him, I was like, he is the guy. Oh, I can't wait. So I picked... John Cho. Ooh, that was good. Yeah, I know. That was good. <laughs> he crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. I think I was intimidated by Tom Hanks' famousness. Like you, you would rather pick somebody who is who is the level of fame as opposed to the like, yes, the person and type. I love John Cho. I don't know if he's ever done dramatic work. John Cho, if you don't know, he's in, he started off in the Harold and Kumar movies. He's mm-hmm. now plays Sulu in the Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done some indies. He was in um, Difficult People, uh-huh. Billy Eichner's show on Hulu. Yeah. Um, as well as the he was the lead of the second season of The Exorcist. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, he's phenomenal. John Cho is is great. And there was that whole movement maybe like two years ago where people were just inserting him into movies oh, yeah. as the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just as like a statement of inclusion and diversity. Um, but it all made sense. Yeah. Like he, he has the talent and the presence. And I think, I mean, we I feel like we just aren't used to seeing like seeing an Asian lead. And not reach, and not, <laughs> and not thinking of him as well. He's like Asian, right? Yeah. No, like no, I feel like John Cho is the kind of actor who could like bridge that gap. I want to see him do some heavy hitting acting though, which is maybe I got to check out the Exorcist yeah, season. Yeah, go too. watch the second season. Well, first watch the first season because it's mm-hmm. it's better and it's actually just one of my favorite television mm-hmm. shows. That's probably not going to come back. Let's not talk about it. Uh, but um, yeah, I love it. He's really good. All right, my pick for Joe Fox, I picked Barack Obama. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I would have been like, okay, yeah, sure. No. Um, that's how much of a difficult time I had recasting Tom Hanks. <laughs> okay. I was like, who's the most like Tom Hanks? Barack Obama. No. Um, I picked Jason Siegel of End of Tour and Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Freaks and Geeks. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Anytime you say interesting, Sorry. I'm learning okay, no, no, no. that you hate it. <laughs> no, I okay. It's that's code for I'm I gonna hate be, this pick. I'm gonna be better. Brian has made promises. <laughs> I feel like I need to make promises too. One, I'm gonna stop whispering into the microphone. Two, I'm gonna stop saying. I'm gonna try to hold myself back from saying interesting. So I like Jason Siegel because 
I think he can play very lovable mm-hmm. despite having done something very horrible things to the person that he cares most about, which is really crazy about Joe. Like That's he ends this woman's business. Yeah. And we're supposed to believe at the end of the movie that she's okay with it because she kind of never really wanted to run the bookstore in the beginning. Like, like Kathleen is kind of this woman kind of stuck with her mother's legacy and then like her mother's shadow but it's everything to her that's a question that's a note i wrote down is do we like joe i think we do end up liking joe because he's played by tom fucking hanks last night i went to meet you and you weren't there i wish i knew why i felt so foolish and as i waited someone else showed up a man who has made my professional life in misery and an amazing thing happened I was able, for the first time in my life, to say the exact thing I wanted to say at the exact moment I wanted to say it. And of course, afterwards, I felt terrible, just as you said I would. I so wanted to talk to you. I hope you have a good reason for not being there last night. You don't seem like the kind of person that would do something like that. The odd thing about this form of communication is that you're more likely to talk about nothing than something, but I just want to say that all this nothing has meant more to me than so many somethings. I am in Vancouver. Like, if you put, like, Robert Downey Jr. in that role, <laughs> do you like him as much? No. No. Do you, if you put, I'm trying to think of, like, other leading men at that time. Like, if you put... Like, let's say Greg Kinnear. If you just flip Greg Kinnear into that role, do you like him as much? Maybe. I don't think so. I think Tom <laughs> Tom Hanks is... Tom Hanks is the only one. He's Sheriff Woody. You know what I mean? Like, he... he I'm not saying he's infallible. I'm just saying that he... But... I, he's us. Like, he... His whole... And this is another argument for Jason Segel. His career trajectory is pretty similar to Jason Segel's. They both started out mm-hmm. on network TV sitcoms, then mm-hmm. moved into sort of... College, like college age comedies, mm-hmm. and then Jason Segel is now rolling into more serious work, and I think hmm. that's why I kind of picked him because they they seem like they can do both. They can walk in in both of these worlds. I'm not entirely sure I see Jason Segel's career in the same place. Oh, it's absolutely not as Tom Hanks, but it sort of has the same arc. His but- his ceiling is much lower than Tom Hanks, but I think he's going in a similar pattern. A similar path. He does have that sort of lovable quality of like specifically I'm thinking about the part where he comes to her apartment to bring her flowers. Mm -hmm. And the whole time she is like talking about this person she met online and all these other things and he is just playing dumb. And but in a sort of like adorable way so that we're like, oh, he's like doing this to help her. Like, but. Again, somehow, because it's Tom Hanks, you're like, okay. And yeah, I could see Jason Segel being lovable enough that mm-hmm. I would I would forgive him. And I think that's the most important part of that movie. Like, he has to be romantic enough to charm you. He has to be funny enough to like play with the kids in the park mm-hmm. to kind of be like, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. And then still withstand the devastating blow of him being like a corporate douchebag. Yeah. By the end to be like, yeah, I'm glad they got together, despite the fact that he sharked her out of business. So I think Jason Siegel could do that. Yeah. Well, great. Okay. Well, I, I think we you. I think we solved some problems. Court adjourned. <laughs>
Okay, we're going to move on to Kathleen Kelly, played by Meg Ryan. This um, this was also difficult because Kathleen and Meg Ryan actually said this like she, she after this movie she like was tired of playing these kind of roles. She, she found it to be like completely vapid and I selfless. I feel like you can see that. There are parts of her performance where I'm like, what is she doing? <laughs> like the part where she's like literally like sort of half-heartedly like shadow boxing because she's like getting ready to fight. I was right. like, what is she doing? I, like I don't think she's mailing it in. I think she's just, she's too smart of an actress mm-hmm. to realize that this character has no depth. Yeah. And what the director wants is a charming image of a woman like, the character's more of, like, a Hallmark card than a real person in a lot of ways. She like, says at one point, I could never I could never be with a man who had a boat. Yeah. Everything is so... Everything has, like, this sort of quippy, kind yeah. of ch- cute little tone to it. And I don't feel like that will play in a rom-com these days. No. I, th- I think women... Des- I know women deserve better than, than what was given to them in 1998. And, I mean, hell, this is 20, 20 years later. So I me. picked an actress who I thought could, f- who could bring way more strength and way more character as someone who's like running a family business that's like been left to her. And I also wanted someone that was very New York that that oh, felt like okay. she, like her family had been there for a while. I picked Zoe Saldana. Oh, okay. And yeah, she, yeah, yeah. I looked at her IMDb. She. I don't think she's ever done a rom-com. It's usually like action movie, action movie, serious drama, mm-hmm. action movie, serious drama. Does Crossroads count as a rom-com? Yeah, cro- cro- I did notice that Crossroads is on it. I've never seen it. So how do I know it's not a, a deep insight into... Oh, we're definitely doing Crossroads <laughs> on this podcast. Well, how do, is it about Wall Street? That's what I'm assuming it's about. <laughs> we open on Britney Spears. She's... <laughs> Okay, I'm, I get it. I know what it's about now. But I think, like, you put Zoe Saldana, someone who can carry herself as more of a woman who isn't going to do that bullshit shadow boxing. She isn't going yeah. to be that character that's like, anytime someone's mean to me, I don't know how to be mean back. It's like, yeah, she's girl, tough. You live in New York. You've yeah. got to get tough. That This New York, this weird romantic New York, it doesn't exist. And I think Hollywood knows it doesn't exist anymore. And I, and I gladly... Yeah, think that they've murdered it and left it in the past. So I wanted someone who could play who, if it, if we're taking the exact same script, and I gave it to Zoe Saldana, it would become a much tougher and a stronger character for us to watch for two hours. Yeah, I I I love it. I love her as an actress. I think, I think you're right that there's this weird sort of like tame energy to this movie that. I mean, I I hate to be like Meg Ryan sort of just lets this happen, but there is this sort of energy of like, what did they what did they do? She tries to get her boyfriend to be the social justice warrior. I don't even know if they have a fundraiser. They have a it's protest, like a rally. Yeah, it's a lot of like woe is me. Yeah, which really stinks. And she's complaining about it to the man who is who's doing it to her it, which is where all the fun ensues <laughs> it sounds to me like he's married married three kids it's a terrible thing to say he Project. could not possibly be married how do you know have you is asked it? him have you said are you married have you written no to him? no i'm not gonna no i know this is probably a little late to be asking but are you married am i married 
What kind of question is that? How can you ask me that? Don't you know me at all? Oh, wait, I get it. Your friends are telling you the reason we haven't met is that I'm married. Am I right? So he didn't answer the question. Yes, he did. He did he not. He did, too. He did. Ex he nailed me. He knew exactly what I was after, which is just, by the way, exactly like him. He did not answer the question, did he? But, yeah, it's like, what is she really doing? And so I think if you put somebody in there who just has a stronger perspective, we're going to get something better. Who you got? Okay, so I have I have somewhat jokingly cast this person in another movie that we've done. But I just kept thinking about how I feel like we don't see her in enough rom-coms, but I really enjoy her sort of uh the sort of manic en- energy that I mm-hmm. think she brings to a rom-com. So I picked Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I I uh I cast a little bit older. Um because I put, and even though John Cho looks like he is 31 years old, <laughs> he is actually 45. He's a beautiful man. So I was like, I feel like I should age her up a little bit, but do somebody who, and then as soon as like the holiday popped into my brain. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is it the same character a little bit? A, a little, little bit. like, woe is me. What do I do? I'm, I'm going to run off to LA and. A little bit, but I really enjoyed because there's something, especially the part where uh, Meg Ryan's putting, um, uh, she's putting ornaments on the tree around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and a kid walks by and is like, "Hey, Kathleen," and she's like, mm, "Hey." There's something so charming about that smile that mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, it takes it takes just a really special person to bring the energy of of Meg Ryan, you know, into something." And again, I was like, "Can Kate Winslet do that?" And I liked it. I liked. Her sort of being this like desperate, um, but you know, obviously we would want the character to be written, to be bolstered up a little bit, but But we're not here to write, but I know you mean, I think it's a great pick. Yeah. What's interesting. What you said about age is I had the same problem because in this movie, Tom Hanks is 42 and Meg Ryan is 37 Mm -hmm. and they're playing like mid thirties. You know what I mean? So I was trying to find people in their mid thirties to kind of Mm -hmm. reflect that. And the movie, I felt like, completely falls apart. And so I was like, I feel like you have to cast a little older. Yeah. Because then it makes more sense. Like, nowadays, if you're like a 30, I think Meg Ryan's supposed to be like 32 or 33. And if you're like running a business and like someone like comes in and steamrolls you. Yeah. You're going to be pissed. Yeah. Like, th- that's your livelihood. Like, you're not going to turn around and swipe right on Tinder. You know what I mean? Like, right. You're not, you're not going to be like, well, I've lived a good life. I've had a good run. Right. And the kind of 30 year old who would be heir to a, you know, sort mm-hmm. of a, to be like a book magnate and the heir to a large book department, you know, heir <laughs> or book department fortune <clears throat> um, is probably not someone that you're going to, you know, who's probably going to say weird things like... So what's his handle? All right, NY152. NY152, 152. He's 152 years old. He's had 152 moles removed, so now he's got 152 pock marks on his face. The number of people who think he looks like Clark Gable. 152 people who think he looks like a Clark Barr. <laughs> like all, all of Tom Hanks's jokes are so goddamn corny, which is why I love him. Like I love him, but you know, 
the sort of businessman with a heart of gold doesn't play when they're younger. It just yeah. feels weird and yeah. artificial. So when you skew older, it really, for some weird reason. Because it, it, it lends, like, especially for Meg Ryan's character, it lends the impression on us that she's been in this for a long time. So it's not just the fact that it's her mom's store. It's the fact that she's put her life into right. it, too. Is Is the modern version of this story... I'll pitch this. Is the modern version of this story that now the Fox family is in a place where they are about to be run out of business. And it's like Joe Amazon, who yeah. is the... Like Jeff Bezos is coming in. Yeah. <laughs> and taking over. Yeah. yeah. Joe um, Joe Bezos is coming in and just... Joe, um, Bezos? Right. And also, I don't like... If you think about it these days, who do you think was more likely to be... I don't know. In my head, I just kept thinking, like, the person more likely to be a corporate uh, shark for a large publishing or, or book group would more likely be female these days. And I feel like a guy would probably try and open up this small hipster. Yeah, you could absolutely switch the, switch the characters. But maybe that's just me reflecting just on. Just trying like, to be progressive and interesting. Literally, and just you, you walk through like Silver Lake and it's just like. Guy with the beard owns coffee shop. Guy with beard opens pizza store. Uh, guy with beard opens clock making shop. You know, it's like, I don't know. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to Frank Navasky. Yeah. Uh, played, played by Greg Kinnear. Another comparable Greg Kinnear. I also feel like this, maybe not as thankless as Kathleen, but I mean. He has a lot of issues. Frank? Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. obviously not attentive to his girlfriend. No. He is a writer. One of the worst portrayals of a breakup in a movie ever. <laughs> How they're Fucking both just kind of like, eh. You're a wonderful person, Kathleen. So are you. And I'm so honored that you would want to be with me because you would never be with anyone who wasn't truly worthy. I feel exactly the oh, same God, way no, about don't, 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 don't say that. What? That that makes it worse. You don't love me. <laughs> me either. You, you don't love me? <laughs> no. But we're so right for each other. I know. I know. <laughs> this like fast food drive through kind of like, oh, we're not in love with each other. Right. Oh, great. How wonderful. I don't think that's ever fucking happened. These people live together. And it's interesting because, well, does he does he live there? Because there's a part at the beginning where she's talking to um, the girl in her store and she's like, he practically lives with me. And so I was like, oh. Oh, maybe he's just he over doesn't? all the time. Especially because when he leaves, he like doesn't take very much stuff with him. <laughs> yeah, all of his stuff is still around. Or he had no stuff to begin with, which is maybe just psychotic. All right. I think you're up. Yeah, I actually was a little shocked because I made this choice before I switched a couple of other characters around. And then when I looked up how old he was, I was like, hey, this still works. I picked Jake Johnson. From New Girl. Of New Girl fame. Yeah. That's different. I like that. He has a much different energy than Greg Kinnear. I, Greg Kinnear is playing this like high intellectual type. I think, didn't Jake Johnson play someone similar? Not someone similar, but didn't he play an intellectual in... What was that time travel movie with Mark Duplass and Aubrey Plaza? Safety Not, not Guaranteed. guaranteed. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like him as sort of, I think he does tend to play play dumb a little bit, mm -hmm. but I can definitely see him as 
maybe maybe not dumb, but Greg Kinnear is definitely a little more absent-minded. Yeah. And I think I think he could do that. Yeah, for sure. I would like to see him be like actually funny as opposed to just like generally situationally funny. What's interesting with like Jack Johnson in the role, you've somehow made the breakup scene even Jake easier. Johnson. Sorry, with Jake There's Johnson, no banana pancakes. <laughs> with Jake Johnson, you've actually made the breakup scene even easier. Because I could totally That's see him true. just be like, "Oh, great, totally fine," and then just like shaking hands and high fiving and then walking out the door. The question is, do we want to see them have like a like a really awful breakup? <laughs> I feel like yeah. Because I mean, conceivably that's what happens with Joe and Patricia cuz they don't show that. This is what I want. If if two characters are going to admit that they are not in love with each other, uh-huh. then that's fine. Just like react to that a little bit more. Like have it sting a little bit. They immediately right. just are like, "Oh, thank God." How relieved are we? Like they were too nice. People. They were yeah. too nice to tell each other that they didn't really love each other. They were so nice to each other. By the end of the scene, I almost expected them to stay together. You know what I mean? We're going to have an it's open just relationship so I can be with this guy right. on the internet and he can be with this television host. Frank. No. Oh, yeah. What? I, well, thank she's you. Making a, she's coming on to you. No, no, no. no. This, they do this on television. The shop around the corner. It's a true uh, New York treasure. As are you. <laughs> Honestly, I'd, I'd love to have you back. Is she sweating? No. She's touching herself, and she's sweating. Well, I... Any time. <laughs> okay, we, we can turn it are off. Are we done? I think no, that's... not at all. Oh, my God. It just didn't feel real, and, and this movie's not real by any means, even though it takes place in a real world. It just... It, 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 it just bugs me. <laughs> I picked... I picked... Thomas Sadowski. Do you know who he is? I, I don't know. Who he is in the newsroom, and he has a very small part in John Wick. He's married to um, Amanda Seyfried. Um, he, his biggest work is the newsroom, and he plays sort of the producer, okay. the segment producer, who's kind of the antagonist to Allison Pill's relationship in the in the in the newsroom because they're dating in the beginning and then she falls in love with another coworker. But I, I kind of leaned into more of the social justice warrior character of someone who is trying to save the small quaintness of New York a little bit more. You're frowning really hard. Sorry, I've never seen the newsroom, so I'm trying to figure oh, out where on. I know this guy from because you, good. you better believe I've seen John Wick. But He plays the cop who comes to the house. And he's like, are you working, John? I vaguely remember that. <laughs> I know. I think he's more of a theater actor because his IMDb is, is a little It's a little light. spare. But um, no, yeah. No, I like the look of this guy. I can't say, I, I, can't say I can vouch for him. But that's fine. He's got a frank, frank look to him. You watch the pilot of the newsroom and you'll kind of see where I'm going. Okay. Ugh, I'll just add that to the list okay. of, of things I have not seen. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to Patricia, played by Parker Posey. Man, I love Parker Posey. She's fantastic. It's crazy how much like she comes on screen. I'm like, I'm so excited to watch her. When she sort of <laughs> has that mental breakdown in the elevator, and Joe's like, yeah, this woman might be psychotic. Uh, I was just like, this this is exactly what we need. You need somebody who can who has that sort of like dark comedy in them to to go from being a seemingly normal person to the worst person. You know, I love how you've totally forgotten that you've had any role in her current situation. It's so obtuse. It's so insensitive. Reminds me of someone. Who? Who does it remind me of? 
Me. <laughs> what is going on? Could be stuck. Uh, oh. Hi, this is Joe Fox. Who's this? Juan? Juan, we are stuck in the elevator between the sixth and seventh floor. Well, there's four of us. Yes, and if you don't get your ass up here in two shakes and get us the hell out of here. Right. Uh, yeah, it's really hard because she, she really toes this line of someone who Joe has to really be invested in her because, like, why else would they date and mm-hmm. live together? But then have that kind of superficialness in her character that eventually Joe falls out of love with her. So it was really hard. But, like, Parker Posey is so good. I love the scene when they're at the party. She, like Kathleen's getting on and she's like, how do you sleep at night? And then Parker Posey just comes in and recommends a prescription drug. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, like, so was such a great character moment. Yeah. Um, I picked Jenna Malone. Do you know yeah, her? Yeah, yes, yes. From the Hunger Game sequels uh, and Donnie Darko? Yes. I think, Do- I don't know. If, no, she was a child actress yes. for a long time. She and then she kind Stepmom. Stepmom, and then she came back in Donnie Darko. And I think she was in uh, a movie that I know you had. No, you did see this movie. Um, oh, God, was the Jake Gyllenhaal, Amy Adams movie? Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, she was in Nocturnal Animals. She was in Nocturnal Animals and played the art director. A very small role, but She's she has really that good. kind of like funny, charming energy, but can also kind of be mean and cutting, which is what I think Patricia needs. Yeah, this is kind of random, but she was in The Neon Demon, and I think she was my favorite part. No, I take that back. Keanu Reeves was in that movie, too. But she is, she's so good. She's so subtle. Yeah. I absolutely think she could do this. Who you got? I picked... Rashida Jones. Oh, yeah. That's a dope pick. I I I love Rashida Jones. I yeah. think like she she can be funny, but I feel like I most enjoy her when she's playing it straight. Yeah. Like you I most enjoy her father's articles. <laughs> the stories. He's actually when I was looking her up and was reminded of who her dad was, I was like, man, can you imagine the conversations? Yeah, if you don't know who her dad is, just Google who her dad is, and then the most recent link of what he has, where he has been interviewed. You will not be. It is uh, let down. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that pic. She's very. Um, she reminds me of someone who who's like Patricia, you know, book editor, kind of fast moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I the one thing I the one opportunity I think this movie misses entirely is that so the two couples meet at that party, the Thanksgiving like dinner that they go to, mm-hmm. and. Um, Patricia is sort of fawning over Frank. You're Frank Nevasky, aren't you? Yes. Your me. last piece in The Observer about Anthony Paul was, was brilliant. Really? Brilliant, yes. I'm Patricia Eden. Hi. Hi, Eden Books. Joe, this man is the greatest living expert on Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. You know, I, I'm flattered. <laughs> you write these things and you think somebody's going to mention them and a week goes by and the phone doesn't ring and you start to think I'm a, I'm a fraud. I'm like a failure or something. And to hear that. You know what always fascinated me about Julius and Ethel Rosenberg is how old they looked when they were really just our age. Have you ever thought about doing a book? Uh, it's crossed my mind. I mean, something relevant for today, like the Luddite right. movement in 19th century saying. England or something. We should talk. Right. Call me. Right. There's like a moment where you're like... Well, we obviously know Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are going to end up together. You don't walk into this movie even in 1998 and not mm-hmm. think that. But then I was like, I wonder, I wouldn't have been nice if like 
again, this would have been way even more convenient than their convenient breakup. But it would have been funny if when um, when Kathleen is like, who is it? This like other woman he's seeing. If he'd been like, Patricia. <laughs> I know. If they just sort of swap. Yeah. Everybody's happy. If they do the um, Eric Clapton, George Harrison wife swap. Did that happen? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Rock stars are gross. If my facts are wrong, guys, just tweet at me and let me know if I'm wrong. But that's the story I was told is that they like switched wa- they switched girlfriends or wives at one point. Ooh, that's very odd. It was the it was the sixties and early seventies, so whatever. <laughs> it's odd for us, but again, it's also odd to see a movie where you know people are going to a Barnes and Noble and being like, "Oh, what a fascinating <gasps> wow. new spaceship we all have." <laughs> And now we drive by Did one. Did you hear? Yeah. There's a new Barnes and Noble. And now we drive by the shell of what, what it once was. And we're like, ew, you would go here? People inside Barnes yeah. and Noble are like, please, please. Does this movie not work in the world, in the time of cell phones? Ooh, it does not work in the time of social media. Oh, yeah. Because you, well, if you still like, use like a handle or something. But social media is like, uh, it's more true. like, this is my face, this is my name, this is my age, this is what I do, I'm here to meet people. I'm yeah, to... you can always find pictures of people. Always. Yeah. Always. All right, Bertie Conrad, last but not least, played by Gene Stapleton, mother and all in the family, who I didn't realize until I, I looked her up. I was like, this lady looks so familiar. Um, I really love this character. Yeah, she's so cute and sweet. And and how she's like, if you ever need money, just come to me. I, I invested in Intel at six. She dated Mussolini? <laughs> no, she dated Franco. Yes. She dated Franco. Now, I suppose you want me to tell you who it was I fell madly in love with. But I'm not going to tell. Who was it, Bertie? It wasn't meant to be. Why not? He ran Spain. Spain? The country. He ran it. It was his job. And then he died. Just as well. Milk or lemon? She fell in love with Generalissimo Franco. Don't say that. Really? We don't know that for sure. Well, who else could it have been? Is it my turn to go first? Yes. I also aged this character up a little bit just because I kind of wanted to bring a... uh, just an older actress into this mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anybody in their like seventies that I really loved. But I went with Olympia Dukakis. She has had a really great career. Wow. She really has steel, steel magnolias, magnolias, moonstruck Look tales of the talking. city. Look who's talking Mr. Holland's opus. And I have, I, I don't know if I know who she is. Um, I mean, listen, if you are a woman, I mean, if you're a man listening to this and you've never seen Steel Magnolias, please go do that right now. I've never seen Steel Magnolias. That's, that would actually be a really fun one to do. Let's do it. Yes. Cause it's, I mean, I'm not going to ruin anything about it, but it's, it's very all sad. Fem- is what I hear. All female cast, which we, <laughs> we should do struggle with. She um, does look familiar, but I, I, I can't. I just wanted somebody very benign. Like yeah. somebody with a sweet face who, if she said something wild, like I dated a tyrant, you'd be <laughs> like, what? And I, 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 I think she's fabulous. Um, that's funny because I went the other way. I, I picked someone a little you, harsher. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you made this person a child? I made He's <laughs> <laughs> a little boy. Still dated Franco. I invested in Intel at six. Um, I picked Tyne Daly. Who was in okay. My Name is Doris and had a brief mm-hmm. part in Spider-Man Homecoming, but mm-hmm. 
older generations might know her from Cagney and Lacey. Mm-hmm. And in my, uh, <clears throat> but in My Name is Doris, she kind of plays a best friend to Sally Field who is sort of wary that Sally is coming back into the dating world and all that. And I, I sort of felt like Kathleen needed, to use a Godfather quote, oh a consigliere oh boy. to help keep the shop open. Like someone who's also like very much like could be like part of New York and has probably worked at the bookstore for a long time and, mm-hmm. and won't just kind of be the sweet old lady who's just charming. All It's like, I want this bookstore to fucking be dope as hell. Like I, I don't want, <laughs> I know it's a children's bookstore. And the, and the thing that you thought would really, really rock and roll this place is time. Detective Lacey. Yeah. <laughs> to, to come in and kick some ass. No, I, I just thought that she would bring a, a different kind of energy than yeah, Gene yeah. Stapleton did. That would be a little more New York, a little more inner city. I just don't understand how these two ladies, like all the women in this movie are like kind of sweet uh-huh. and nice. And that's not yeah. New York City. Like New York City is like hustling, moving. You know. I mean, all the men in this movie are just kind of sweet and like like there's something very oh benign about everybody. Oh, I know. Including George. Yeah. There's not like well, not the Fox men because they yeah. have this like weird con- like. There's like two scenes where they all sit around and talk about all the women that they slept with, and I was like, that's what guys do. They sit in a room with their dad and their grandpa and talk about. <laughs> All the ladies that they've just crushed. And it's like, this is gross and awkward. And he's like having that conversation with his dad where he's like, the nanny. And he's like, yeah, the nanny. (laughs) It was really creepy and weird. Yeah, yeah, Um, that was weird. All right, we're uh, we did our five. I, I hope the audience didn't get lost in some of these picks. I know, I know, we were, we're kind of we picking some from, like yeah, we picked some like indies. Maybe this is a chance for people to go out and watch some of these actors and actresses, you know, yeah. other work like yeah. us. <laughs> we need to do. We our need research. to do that. Okay, let's wrap it up with a segment. Where does Barry Pepper go? And then a song plays now. Okay, guys, so in this part of the show, we're going to cast Barry Pepper, our beloved uh, character actor from such movies as Saving Private Ryan and yada, 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 and look him up. You know who Barry Pepper is. And Ken and I will put him someplace in the movie because he deserves to be in every movie. Yeah. He's one of the only people we follow on social media. Yeah, that's true. And our, one day- Our podcast. He'll follow back. I'm gonna I'm gonna start tagging him in everything just so he knows that there's a podcast that is specifically, specifically featuring him. him. Um, I I'll go first. I cast him as Charlie, the elevator operator. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Look what I just said. Yeah, you hate it. No, I just wanted to have him like have a. He's too young to be the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's too, way too young to be the grandfather. Um, I don't want him in the bookstore. I just thought it would be nice to have him have a nice character moment when they're stuck together. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I went, <laughs> I went in like a weird direction, but the the only person that I could think of at the time, which I just really loved this interaction, was the uh, the bookstore employee who doesn't know the shoe books. Yeah, oh yeah. And Kathleen has to be like, it's written by so and so, so and so. That guy is in. Is Chris Messina? Chris Messina. Yeah. From the Mindy Project. Yes. That was weird. It was weird Same seeing as him. Now. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Kenna, do you have any last minute uh, tidbits or things to get 
to finish this up? Yeah, Dave Chappelle is in this movie. Thank that's God. It. That's all I, was, I wanted to say. That was literally the last thing I was going to say. It was like, we have not mentioned the fact that Dave Chappelle is in this movie. Yeah. Crushes every scene. Yeah. And this movie should have just been about Dave Chappelle. All right, look, there's a book with the flowers, so this got to be her. And what does she look like? Can't see her. Wait, it's blocking. Damn it. Oh, hold on. He's moving. He's moving. Can you see her? She's very pretty. She is. I knew she would be. She has to be. You know what? She looked. I mean, she almost has the same coloring as that Kathleen Kelly person. Kathleen Kelly of the little bookstore. Well, why not? You said you thought she was attractive. Absolutely, yes. Why not? Who cares about Kathleen Kelly? Well, if you don't like Kathleen Kelly, I can tell you right now, you ain't gonna like this girl. Why not? Because it is Kathleen Kelly. It should have been how Dave Chappelle single-handedly builds the bookstore while the Fox men are just running around town Dave sleeping Chappelle, with people. Dave Chappelle is us. Like, everything Tom Hanks says, he's like, what? Really? <laughs> They're, like, on the treadmills in the gym, and he's looking at him like, this is, this is messed up. I just love the line where he's like, Tom Hanks is like, don't you have, like, work to do? And Dave Chappelle's like... Uh, no, this is a pretty well-run machine. He's like, this is a pretty well-oiled machine. <laughs> like, I'm good at my job. Yeah, it's like Dave Chappelle <laughs> is building this book empire, like, brick by brick. Yeah. We're going to be on a bit of a Dave Chappelle run for, for the next couple of episodes, and I'm excited about yeah. it. I enjoyed seeing him. Um, couple things. Is this the movie that introduced Cappuccino to America? Because they keep talking about Cappuccino, <laughs> and it's, like, really weird. <laughs> it's like they discovered the new world. I'll say this. I I love uh, The Wizard of Oz, but I hate covers of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, it's awful. It's, it's really terrible. Bad. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be playing in this podcast at some point, <laughs> maybe towards the end. And you know this is the most 90s movie because Christina, the other bookstore employee, like really doesn't want to live in Brooklyn. And I my, my <laughs> jaw dropped, my tongue rolled on the floor, and I was like girl buy in brooklyn <laughs> buy in brooklyn it's me from the future you should buy in brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> all right guys that's it for us thanks for joining us on the boot for you've got mail kenna where can they find this podcast you can find this podcast on apple Podcasts, stitcher or really wherever you get your podcast just give us a search we're out there um you can find us on social media at the boot podcast on twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. Check that out. And individually, we're at Kenna Trent and at Flynn B on Twitter and Instagram. So hit us up. Let us know what you think. And if you like us, tell your friends, subscribe and rate. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Somewhere This place is a tomb. I'm going to a nut shop where it's fun.